Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Hi, everyone. I wanted to share with you today uh, the interview that I did with financial wellness coach Megan DeBoer. Now, Megan is the founder of Tended Wealth, a business that helps individuals heal their emotional and practical relationships with money. And as a certified financial recovery counselor, her approach um, considers the content of our current financial circumstances, you know, our lived experience, our family of origin, and the broad culture that together shape our beliefs about money. She's passionate about transforming this fundamental part in our lives from shame and overwhelm to a sense of agency, clarity, and potential. She specializes in helping those who are self-employed to radically increase their earning. Her course participants and one-to-one clients regularly attest to the life-changing power of this work. So if you want to check out more of, of Megan DeBoer, you can follow her at Tended Wealth on Instagram, or you can go to her website at Tended, T-E-N-D-E-D, Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And I really wanted to include her on the Be Get It and Be Great podcast because AI have worked with her for a long time. And I work with intuitives and sensitives and psychics and healers and unequivocally, there is something different about the way sensitives do money. Um, Because often we can read energy and sometimes we just know if somebody is hurting and we'll just like give the shirt off of our back. (laughs) So I'm really excited to share Megan and we'll talk about what it's like to, you know, the relationship between money and being a sensitive. Whether you inherit money or you are trying to earn a living as a sensitive, um, or just if you are in, you're out in your everyday life as a sensitive, how you are directly affected by finances, by the energy of money in your day to day life. And I'd also like to say my voice goes high when I'm on Zoom. I think I have to like yell and project (laughs) because because I don't have my microphone where I usually do. So that will a little bit into the podcast that will calm down. But that is in there at the beginning. So don't let that distract you from hearing the, the stuff Megan and I talk about. So without further ado, I give you Megan DeBoer. Okay, everybody, I want to welcome to today's podcast, financial wellness coach, Megan DeBoer. So welcome, Megan. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. I have to say for our audience, especially if you can't see Megan and I, um, I have so much admiration for this woman that I'll probably just smile at her and look at her and (laughs) you can't, that won't translate on the podcast, but I just have so much affection and so much respect for this woman. I'm so excited to share her with you today. Um, One of the reasons I, I couldn't wait to share her with you is because as a financial wellness expert, as a coach, um, there is not a part of life that money doesn't touch. And in my work as a sensitive and as a psychic, I I have my own journey, if you will, of learning how to ask for payment for my gift. And then doing this work, unequivocally, there are two ways that the majority of the women that I work with even pay my fee. And that is they've inherited 
And there's a lot of, you know, I had, there's a lot of guilt in making the payment for even my services. And as a sensitive, I feel that. Mm -hmm. And then also maybe their husband's work and then they feel guilty that they're paying the fee. And so as a sensitive, I feel that. (laughs) So it's just been, um, I have had the privilege of getting to work with Megan for a couple of years now. I can't even remember the exact year I started working with you, but it's been a couple of years now. And so having worked with Megan for years, there are some things that she, we want to talk about today to share with you, to be able to have some tips to, um, if you haven't begun that dialogue with money, with the energy of money, with, um, to begin the dialogue. And if this is something that you've already been working on to give you even more tools to, you know, further deepen. Um, your relationship with money, especially in the spiritual community, people don't want to talk about money. <laughs> so there's this kind of extra burden, if you will, if this is how you fund your life, if this is how you pay your bills and you feed your family and you have any of that guilt or shame or all the complexities that can come with financial programming or belief systems. Well, especially in the spiritual community, right? So I just to prepare you guys, I, I very much want to tell a few stories so that some of the points that we make today aren't quite so abstract. <laughs> There's real human stories behind it. And uh, we'll tell stories and we're going to give you a few tips so that you can deepen your relationship with the energy of money that touches every part of our lives, whether we want it to or not, it does. And so I just want to share with them, I think it was, okay, we're in 2022. It was at least 2019, 2020, at least. And I was listening to Barbara Stanny at the time, her six figure woman book. Mm-hmm. And that book led me to Karen McCall, mm-hmm. <laughs> financial money coach, Karen McCall. And I got to get into like, Karen had just started, um, where she finally was it money coaching? Yeah, she's she it was her first time she offered a money coaching online program. Mm-hmm. So I was getting into Barbara. Does she go by Barbara Housen now? I think so. Yes. Housen. Okay. Housen. Yeah. Or Houston. Houston. I think that's it. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Barbara. If you're <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, I'll get financial coaching. And you know, kind of the the patterns for me and my family was like. My husband and I made money, we made good money at times. And yet there was, no matter kind of how much we made, it was, there was always a huge sacrifice somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we had those typical beliefs, like, well, if we get to this level, everything will be easier. And if, oh, if this magical number happens, all of a sudden we'll be okay. And of course, with Karen McCall's work, I was learning, oh, there's so much more deeper work. Mm-hmm. And then as a country kid, I was like, well, I have tools, so I should be able to do this on my own, you know, and Karen would kept stressing, get a money coach, you know, get someone to support you. And so I did, I, I was, I felt like it was so monumental because I thought, oh my gosh, I've invested thousands into that course. <laughs> That's not fixed it, you know? And then I'm like, how can a money coach possibly help, you know? So I did, I actually used my intuition. Thank you. Intuitives half the time forget to do that. And I just went to Karen's site and you absolutely just called to me. 
and you so kindly got back to me very quickly. And it was like to have you look me in the eye and witness, witness me. Uh, it was kind of the first time I really shared my financial history or story and being able to be witnessed by you, Megan, that alone was transformative. But then your work is very grounded in the tangible. And so you could go anywhere we needed to. Um, you, you came with me where I needed you to go to kind of look at things. And then you would ground me back into the numbers and you would ground me back into these tangible tools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those of you listening, it's just, I can't, there's really not a price you can put on how that's healed my family. It's healed my relationship with money. And it's a continued dialogue with these, your empathy, your compassion, your expansiveness to go where my story took us was really something I'd never experienced before, Megan. Mm. So I just, I, as I just want to share you with everybody, if, how did you come to this work? Well, first, Kate, I just want to honor how beautiful it is that you're sharing your part of your story and our work. And I, I feel like it's, uh, I mean, I know how powerful your journey has been and how potent your story is for others to hear. And, uh, in terms of my journey and how I got to this work, um, I came at it through an interesting angle because I was working as a bookkeeper for many, I think about 20, 25 uh, small businesses. And so I was, I had a front row seat to a lot of um, people's relationship with money. And yet I was just plugging in their numbers and submitting reports and sitting down with them once a month and going over all of their numbers for their business and witnessing patterns that were really fascinating to me. And it just led me to ask uh, deeper questions and get more curious about why were these patterns persistent? I could see ways for them to resolve some of their um, issues within their business, but there would never be any traction. So my I was just wanting to know why, why, why I was just, I just kept asking that question, why? And that questioning process led me to Karen's book, Financial Recovery, which led me to um, do her training in the Financial Recovery Institute. And it was in that process um, of really, you know, originally it was from a place of wanting to serve my clients more <laughs> holistically and wanting to help them. But of course, I, in, in doing the work with Karen, you know, she was mentoring me, coaching me through the process. And I began to uncover my own story, my own deep patterns of chronic under earning that really had been invisible to me before that. And so it was in my own process of training that I actually uncovered my own, um, my own deep well of uh, material to be working with. And I'm, I'm still working with it. And I, I see it as my own lifelong journey. And where I am so passionate is around people who like myself, like you are highly sensitive 
and there's there's sort of a whole other a whole other conversation that we need to have um, as sensitives, as intuitive beings, as empathic beings uh, around money, because money and sensitivity in our culture, how it exists right now is, um, it's almost like the two don't work well together. And we need to, we need to mend that, um, that separation, and we need to mend that divide. Uh, so that it isn't separate. We're not operating in two different spheres. We're actually operating in an integrated way. So what that's looked like to me is no longer, um, well, I'll, I, I want to share a little bit of my story. So in that time, when I was a bookkeeper, I, of course, was witnessing other business owners who were struggling in a variety of ways. Um, I think I had a couple of clients who were really thriving and it was fascinating to see them in, in relation to my clients who were struggling. Um, and being sensitive, I, and, and really being other focused, you know, like really paying attention to other people and deep wells of, uh, adaptive strategies of not uh, taking care of my own needs, not looking at my own well-being. I was, um, I would absorb, literally absorb other people's uh, discomfort around money, their suffering around money. And what that looked like is me not billing hours because I knew that their business was struggling. So I left hours off of my invoices. Sometimes I wouldn't even submit an invoice. And it was like this, this uh, pattern that was very familiar to me from my childhood, this adaptive pattern of keeping the peace, making sure that everybody else was okay. And I was absorbing the, the cost. I was absorbing the pain of that. And it wasn't until I realized it was like, I had this moment of realizing I am actually hurting my family. This is not just my own absorbing of, um, you know, not, not charging what I need to be charging or not charging for the actual work that I have done and I'm suffering. It's actually affecting my family and what my family is able to do or not able to do. Meanwhile, I was just, I was working long hours, long days, trying to balance being a mother, having my own business, and feeling more and more frustration and resentment and um, depletion, which shows up financially and energetically, um, by not receiving in return for what I was providing for my clients. So that's one very real way that that pattern was showing up for me. And it really originated in that, um, that high attunement to someone else's situation and wanting to alleviate that suffering and um, protect them from that when that's not my job, that is not our job. And it's that unskilled sensitive, you know, mm -hmm. uh, patterning. Yes, absolutely. Do you find that Karen's work, you know, and again, it's like you can buy, there's so many wonderful books on finances and there's a lot of tools and there's a lot of solutions there, but the, 
the work maybe she brought into the world is it really hits you on that emotional habitual level and then and I would consider her a sensitive as well and she certainly has a story around of course she would be (laughs) um there's so many questions I wanted to ask you, but one of the struggles I'll have here with Megan is I could keep her in in the interview for about four hours easily. So you will see me struggling to not ask her 10 other questions that um, I'm curious about, but, but maybe we could have a few interviews over the years too. So yeah. Um, Okay, so let's just jump in. We, we kind of wanted to talk about around three or four sort of consistent scenarios I see working with sensitives. And when, when I say it in them, it was because it was also in me as well, not the inheritance part, but I, I think the really fundamental quote unquote problem for sensitives is the exact one you brought up. Number one would be, this is, it's, it's, a, it's a gift that we have, but I would also consider it a skill. Because as you said earlier, it's the unskilled sensitive <laughs> that we do just kind of want to give it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would equate it to like being a natural singer or a natural chef, you know, cook, you can cook for everybody. So then maybe some people expect it, yes. you know, but in my recovery, when I really had this like, in 28, you know, in 2010, I had the skin cancer awakening, I call it. I just, I was in such rejection that this was what I was born to do. And that the way I was wired was indeed the way I was wired. I mean, I really had to confront, this is just who I am. Mm-hmm. However, I had to sort of put it on a real ground level where you wouldn't walk into a chef's restaurant and demand that they feed you, you know, but the minute you're around a sensitive People want free readings. They, and, and even, and it's the real, whether they ask you, I mean, that's a whole other thing because most of the time what we give away is unspoken, right? It's telepathic. It's energetic. It's that clairsentience in us that is like, I don't want you to suffer. And that actually comes from a real true place in us. Mm-hmm. So there's like, there are so many things to label to even know what we're doing energetically. And then there are decisions to be made, which is why the skilled intuitive has put in time to be skilled. (laughs) I mean, we're born sensitive, yes, but there's a refinement process that until we go through that refinement process, this, the gift is uh, a weapon in many ways towards us. So that's why I really want to talk to Megan about, okay, because it's a skill, because we, and also, dare I say, because of our sensitivity, that should also be something that's valued in the price we ask for. Because, you know, not only am I a medium, so I I offer that, but then I'm also extremely clairsentient. So I offer my, you can access my emotional (laughs) realm. I mean, you can't not have it. (laughs) So it's not like on the menu. I mean, it's just a part of the deal. (laughs) You get the water, even if you don't ask for it. um, I never considered bringing all these pieces of me to the fee that I needed to ask of my clients to also be able to fund the life 
that whether I was asking for it or not, this is what it costs us to live. And so let's talk about that where uh, I'm, I guess I'm, I, I kind of, let's just start with say the medium. So many mediums struggle. Like if you were like me, you learned very little not to even talk about it. So you do so much concealing of energy and manipulating of your own energy to just avoid talking to spirits in general. Okay, well, let's just say, okay, you're willing to be a working medium, you're willing to, you know, I think so many of us start off as trading. The first probably three years of my profession, I traded and I traded. And then I noticed I'd get a little resentful, where it's kind of like, I value the massage you gave me. But like, I had to talk to your nasty grandma. <laughs> you know, like She was actually kind of mean. And then she stayed with me for days. And that's not, you know, I would finally start to see, oh, that's not an equal trade. Right. Because like the massage is physical and that's just different than an energetic mm -hmm. relationship or behavior or transaction of power or energy. And so even when I would started to learn to ask for a fee, you know, let's just say I went from 25 to 50 to a hundred, a um, hundred dollars an hour. Um, where I'd really get in trouble, Megan, is where I would maybe be buying a car and the man who's helping us, his mother wants to give a message. Mm. So I really struggled with this is not the right time. This is not the right place. But you feel so guilty if you don't just give everybody everything in every moment. Mm. Yeah. So maybe we'll start with a sensitive maybe who is sort of that where clairsentience is like that, too, where we're we feel in that sense of responsibility for everybody that really manifested when I was a real estate agent in the nineties, I was basically just a kid, but as all this kid you ever met. So that wasn't the problem, but the problem was I could feel my client's disappointment. If let's just say they could only afford a $60,000 house. If they could only afford a $90,000 house, I could feel their disappointment. And I felt I didn't, again, I was unskilled at the time. So I totally personalized that. And I felt like I was doing something wrong. Right. So how would you, what kind of tip or tool would you suggest the sensitive who either can't, doesn't know how to say no about talking to the dead and giving messages or just that emotional, you're in my sphere. So I feel like I owe you or what do you, what would you say to somebody like that, Megan? Oh, well, first, I mean, there, there's so many parts in what you just shared. And I, um, I think on a fundamental level as sensitive beings, and I, I don't share that gift that you have of, of mediumship. And, um, I mean, which, which is just so incredible to me, uh, to even consider. So as just a, a sensitive who can who is picking up on other people's energy i just want to speak to that it's like that is operating at such an invisible level and because it's invisible to us and invisible to other people we take it for granted and this can be true for any gift it's it's invisible to us because it's so second nature to us or as you were speaking about being a medium and trying to not let anyone see it so keep struggling to keep it invisible basically yes. uh, but the invisible 
ability is one of the biggest factors in not valuing the work itself. Um, it's like it doesn't even exist. So there's on a personal level, it's like it's operating in a blind spot. And then on top of that, in our economy, in our culture, these skills are not valued, <laughs> you know, literally not valued. So we have internalized that devaluation of the skill itself, of the gift itself, um, or else it's it's shamed or not everyone understands it. You know, there, there are many layers of that. And each of those is a huge barrier to valuing the work because it's operating in that invisible or not totally understood realm it is very different from hiring a plumber to come into your house and replumb your kitchen or your bathroom which is a very visible tangible they walk in they walk out you see something done you pay the bill there's there are no questions there yes and because this is operating, these gifts are operating in that intangible, um, that intangible realm, our minds can't see it in the same way. And, and I'm just um, thinking about our work and how you beginning to honor your capacity, you know, that was one of the ways that we started to look at you valuing your work differently is honoring your capacity. It the the skill is there. But if you are going to be sharing a message with the person that you're buying, you know, from the grandmother with the person that you're buying a car from that's there's a there's a toll there's a cost there's a there's a physical cost that you kate pay for that right, right. saying yes to sharing that gift yes so that energetic cost depletes your capacity what you can do for the rest of the week and starting to value your capacity oh I don't have limitless time. I don't have limitless energy. I don't have, you know, I to to still be standing on Friday. I can only do X number of sessions during a week that begins to clarify and help you honor that boundary. I'm saying no to the grandmother. I, thank you. <laughs> thank you for. Uh, trying to get through, but I'm not working right now, you know, like I can't, I can't do that. Um, I don't have people trying to speak to me <laughs> through the people that I'm that I'm with, but for a lot of like I don't usually talk about my work when I'm at a party, because people tell me uh, pretty unbelievable stories. Sometimes people just tell me stories, you know, oh, I, be, I will be in a grocery line and someone will tell me this pretty major uh, financial <laughs> situation. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like, that's a lot, a lot for, for a stranger to just drop, you know, about their debt situation or, you know, being tight on bills or whatever it is. And, and that's happened for years. And sometimes my kids will <laughs> notice it. So there's, there's that, <laughs> but I'll be at a party 
and people ask me what I do and I'll share, you know, I used to share more freely, you know, I'm, I'm a financial wellness coach and I help people with their emotional relationship with money. And then the stories start dropping out and it's like, hold on, I'm at a party. Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm not able to like hold your, all of the stories about this money trauma that you have experienced in your life. So holding that boundary um, becomes critical to preserving your own energy, your own reserves. So those are a couple of points. Um, and I and I also want to just speak to something that you are very familiar having engaged in my in this work and and listening to me speak to it many times is the importance the the critical importance of receiving in return for what you are giving and this i would say you know for those of us who are operating from a heart-centered place for those of us who are sensitive who truly deeply want to give we want to be generous with our gifts we have a very high tolerance for giving and overgiving and a very low tolerance for receiving. Absolutely. And it's that imbalance that we need to correct because ultimately we aren't doing anyone any good if we have depleted our reserves, if we are resentful, if we are not receiving, you know, it's like we, we nothing else in nature operates that way. In nature, you, you know, every plant must draw nutrients and water from the earth must draw sunlight to help it thrive and grow if it doesn't it dies you know it can't just keep blooming it needs to be replenished it needs the time to restore and receiving money is that form of energetic reciprocity of receiving in return and in exchange for uh, the gift that you have given, the value of your service. And that's the way that you begin uh, bringing it back into balance. And you stop that energetic leak, you know, the, the and, it, and this is what, where it shows up. And of course, you know, it shows up all the time in my work, but the energetic or financial depletion is where that imbalance shows up. And, um, and it's just so important to be aware of the need to rebalance that so that you can replenish, so that you can show up to your work, show up to your client in integrity, feeling restored, being able to be there for the fullness of that work. Um, in your case, you know, being that receptive channel to all the all that you share um, and it's just it's a critical part of of the equation we we and there are very real costs that uh that we all need <laughs> that we all need to operate in within our existing economy you know we we all need to eat we all need to have food on the table but beyond those necessities there's also a need to honor the work itself and to appropriately value that work and to have a, a, um, an appropriate energetic exchange for that life force. And um, 
just as you were talking about with trades, which are sort of endemic in the highly sensitive world, you know, and trades that go awry, that are imbalanced and unfulfilled and um, problematic for all kinds of reasons and keep people in that trap of overgiving, under receiving um, in the trade itself. Um, but the recognizing the imbalance of the trade, and this is again where we have to value and see our own work and value it appropriately. And this is one of the primary things that I support my clients with is um, appropriately valuing their work. That's so profound. It makes me think about, I think it was my third client when I was a real estate agent. Um, she seemed to just really fall in love with me right away. And I was really uncomfortable with that because I had the belief system, you know, I was only about 20 years old. I had the belief system that I have to earn your love. Uh, and so for her kind of coming at me, like, I, I want to go to lunch with you. You know, I, I, you did such a great job helping me buy this house. And um, um, I remember I, I was really uncomfortable too. Cause I thought, well, if we, and I did, I went out to lunch with her and I got to know her a little bit better. And then I'm like, well, now that we are becoming friends, like, I don't know how to charge you. And she looked me in the eye and she said, well, because you're my friend, I'll pay you what you're worth. <laughs> I'd never heard that before. It just like, I was very much raised by people that it's like, you have to give the shirt off your back to prove your loyalty, to prove your friendship, to prove your worth, you know, to be so, deserving of, uh, to be oh, deserving of love because you didn't. Yeah, exactly. Love payment, you know, getting your fair share. So that, that never left me that, that completely changed my whole reality in that moment but when you are talking about you know that friday night what what will i have left friday night after working it's like you absolutely read my past because the beginning of my professional life I and mean, my kids were little like toddler little and i would take like three clients a day because i really contexted my work as a medium as a psychic medium it's just another day at the office megan Right. No, and it's like, I remember being so exhausted and I, you know, I would put weight on and I, I, um, even before I started working with you, there were days where I would stack up two people a day and those like every other week I would stack up two people a day. And then I do a little bit more admin the next week. And then I'd stack every, everybody. And the days that I would stack people, I mean, I would get my kids home from school and I would tell everybody, I can't move. I, I daddy will have to bring dinner home. I, I had nothing to give. And then it would like make me feel very shameful. Right. So it is Megan. It's like, we, we do have to ground, you know, this is one, one of the things I say to my students about offering your gift. Well, it, even talking about your gift, because I think a lot of people don't tell people they're psychic because of the whole thing that that can, you know, the conversation that that could lead to. But that cue that you're a sensitive is when you're like, I'm in the grocery line and like people just tell me stories. That is absolutely a cue that you're a sensitive because so many times people will be telling me like really intimate stories yeah. and they just met me and they'll look at me and be like, why am I telling you this? <laughs> Well, I learned to know, like, I know why you're telling me, because you know, I can handle your story. And because you're intuitive and I'm intuitive, you know, I'm a safe place person to talk to. 
And that would make me feel very proud that I could have, I can hold your story. Okay. But like you, it's like, but I'm at a party and I'm trying to just be a person. I'm trying to relax and have fun just like you are. And yet I can't tell people what I do because the questions or the attitude or the obsession, you know, you get one of like the three (laughs) hardcore, Mm -hmm. very few people were indifferent to what I do. Although I have to say now I can go to the doctor. I can say I'm a medium and they'll be like, oh, cool. So is my college roommate. Anyway, how's your knee? You know, that is becoming more real for me where people are like, okay, your medium is great. Like, so culturally, I'm really happy that our work is integrating in that way. But also that conversation, that reality, that truth of even how you do the work, you have to factor that into the payment of it. Yes. Like, like I said, like there are other financial coaches and they, I'm sure have wonderful things to say, but will they bring their emotional intelligence? You don't know. Will they bring their big, huge hearts? I don't know. Right. But when that is just part of the work that you do, it has to be part of the equation. You know what, who you are as a being, what quality of work you offer. Um, I've certainly been to many psychics, trying to get help, kind of trying to understand this. And they were as mechanical as the plumber. <laughs> you know, like I see a blue balloon, you know, this will happen in three months anyway. You know, and I had a lot of questions about that. <laughs> so it's like, it was very mechanical and yeah, I didn't get a lot out of that, which is fine. They probably only charged $40 and that's okay too. But, um, and all, I, I, I guess I was going to say, There's like a nuance of respect for what you do. It's like if you want to go to a party or you're going to a PTA meeting, you don't owe them an explanation of what you do professionally, not because you're ashamed of it or you have to protect and defend yourself, but also because maybe you just want to be you. Yes. So especially in American culture, the the conversation becomes what you do rather than who you are. Yeah. And so it's kind of like the more skilled we become, the more boundaries we have around who we are professionally. That's not who we are. And it is right. You can't separate our work and how we do our work from who we are. So it is very confusing. But at the end of the day, you're Megan and I'm just Kate. Right. And th- these, these are a part of who we are. It's not what we are. Right. Right. And like you said, that nuance of on some subconscious level, people know that about you. It's because, and I get that because you're so precious. Of course, people would say, <laughs> reveal themselves to you, you know, because people are so longing to be witnessed. And, and yet at, by Friday, if you can't get off the couch, mm-hmm. you've got nothing left to give. That's not, that's not long lasting. You know, there's not resentment behind that. There's not depletion. There's not financial debt behind that. It's not working. It's not working for any of us. And since working with you, I now have so much thought that goes into who I work with and when I work that you've taught me to go, okay, if I take a client, okay, what quality of client? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm working with somebody that has a really dark history, I'm there with them. That will probably affect me for the evening and, and my heart's with them. It's okay. But I now plan that even also Megan, you've yes. given me the schools to the tools to think about, okay, let's, 
what what do I need for as professional? Because <laughs> what I'm what am I showing up to for that hour with that client? And now I'm excited to have that client because I prepared myself. Yes. And then I'm thinking about preparing not only emotionally and physically, but also like, and I and this is what I need so that I my financial needs are met at the end of the week also which reinforces my excitement to come back to the table and work the next day. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the balance. That's the, that's the exchange. That's the energetic exchange that needs to be clean and clear. Yeah. And when we honor our own needs as, <clears throat> as uh, practitioners or service providers, we are we are saying this is what i need to be able to show up for you in my fullness <clears throat> and you deserve that that's what you're paying for too right yes this is a part of um me being in integrity with the work itself and for you i need to have this much time for meditating for um taking care of my body so that I am not showing up depleted and not showing up for you the way you deserve to be shown up for. And that's the piece. Um, I'm still I'm still exploring my own balance. But for me, it's like I for years I had um, I had stories of of shame about not being able to work at a certain capacity, mm-hmm. you know, a certain number of clients a week. I was like, I should be able, you know, I should be able to work with thirty people a week. Oh no, I can't. My body and my mind and my spirit can't handle that. My sweet spot is around. Honestly, it's around 15, sometimes a little bit more I can handle, but really 15 is like, that's, that's the number where I can really be in integrity with my own energy, with my client's energy. And that's just, that's where it is. And rather than shaming that, I honor that as a part of how I build my business, what I honor in terms of my capacity. And other people might be able to do 30 or even 40 and great for them they are doing it differently and they are a different body they're a different person yeah and for me to honor that about myself has been such a fundamental i mean talk about healing my own wounds around honoring my own needs Mm -hmm. (laughs) before honoring other people's needs huge huge shift in terms of um yeah, healing really old wounds. I think it's really important to also say, also honoring the chapter of life that we're in. I mean, when we are out there working and we do the type of work we do, and then we're also mothers. Yes. We, ha- we have to factor in the energy of mother, which kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning of our podcast, which can go devalued in you know it's an expectation it's an expectation if you are generous and kind that you are always generous and kind no matter where you're at in the state of your life <laughs> and sometimes we ain't got it to give yeah and sometimes our kids need us more than they do at other times you know my children are now i've got a little teenager and then my daughter's becoming a young adult 
And actually they require more for me energetically than they did when it was a lot of physical labor, as you know. And so factoring in kind of that totality of who we are, not just as a money coach, not just as a medium, but like we're also mothers and we are partners and we have friends and that kind of, when, the, when your family was young and you were working professionally, were you able to get a lot of support in other ways that kind of made everything okay? Or I find so many, myself included, and maybe because our cultures change so much, there's not a lot of support. No, yeah. And I would say it goes deeper than that. Like, first of all, um, there isn't a lot of support. I mean, that's the reality of it, especially as uh, mothers. And I will just say, you know, the amount of emotional labor that we do. Oh, good, <laughs> yes. Mothers, as uh, providers, you know, it, it's pretty phenomenal <laughs> as community members, as daughters, <laughs> you know, it's like, there's a lot of emotional labor that's, that's occurring. And it's part of that overgiving it's part of that um, expectation and exploitation of our uh, of of that gift and especially those of us who are uh, caring and heart-centered it's um, it's hard to protect that so there's that's that's already occurring in in the culture in our homes in our communities and when you asked about was support available, the first thing that I just need to share is like giving ourselves permission to even receive support or even ask for support. So even if it's not, it's it, like it's not dropping from the sky, it's not being given to us. <laughs> you know, that's that's not happening. But what what also is happening is that because we are usually the givers, we are not giving ourselves permission to even ask for support, even if the support oh. would be there. And, um, and so giving myself permission to receive support has been more uncomfortable in a lot of ways than receiving money, charging what I need to charge. Because that feels that feels wrong. That is against the identity that I have known my whole life. Yeah. What kept me safe? What kept me um, receiving love in my family? You know, not needing any attention, not having, not needing any, not like being invisible, <laughs> being um, like my needs don't matter. And that makes me valuable. That makes that keeps me in good standing. If I don't have needs, if I'm over here, just fine, I'm just fine. I'm the easy one. Yeah. Then, um, then I'm okay. I'm safe. So asking for support is both vulnerable and threatening. Oh, Megan, that's a whole other conversation. Not to have, I mean, again, I'm trying not to go down rabbit holes with you, but I don't know if that's a sensitive thing or what, but that I'm strong enough, I can do it on my own and I'm here for you. I'm here for you. That's across the board with my students. I see that. And so much of the guidance I hear coming from their guides is ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, learn to receive, 
um, yes. stop yeah. doing that. You don't need their approval. <laughs> you know, you need to give yourself approval. Right. I feel like we could talk all day about that one too. I'm going <laughs> okay. to go to number two with you. <laughs> okay. okay. And, and I think we've covered, yeah. We've covered a lot. Yeah. But absolutely. Please. Let me just look at the other question I have. Well, maybe we'll just put a fine point on it and it maybe doesn't need a whole conversation, but that, that maybe specifically money where sensitives across the board want to give their money away. Um, and I was very much celebrated for that as a little kid, like, oh, you're just so generous. You know, you'd give the shirt off your back and it kind of reinforced my desire to help protect, you know, that's in me. I want to do that, but it was also exploited in me. And so I, even I still struggle with the pattern of like, are my kids okay? Is my husband okay? Are my buddies okay? You know, are my clients okay? And then I check in with me and I, I know I need to flip that. I need to check in with me first so that I am fueled enough to authentically and genuinely be there to fuel the loves in my life. What is a tip that could help sensitives not give money away, let alone the shirts off their back? What do you think about that? Mm. Well, I would love to actually share a story. Oh, love it. Um, so I, years ago, worked with someone who is incredibly generous, just like so heart wide open to all of the suffering in the world and is a survivor herself of abuse and a single mother. And she was walking on the sidewalk and saw a $50 bill on the ground. And she picked it up and that evening donated $50 to a GoFundMe that was um, asking for support. And it was so poignant to me to illustrate this kind of uh, pattern of generosity because there was not a thought about that $50 being for her. Right. Inconceivable that it was a gift for her. That it was a gift for her. This like was for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that there was such a quick turnaround, like hours of a turnaround between finding that money and passing that money along without any of that money staying with her. And that is, it's like, the the quick deflection the quick rejection of money it's not for me there are others suffering more than me doesn't mean that you can't be generous with your money or your time or your love or anything it's that we need to recognize what is ours and what is ours to share So I'm not sure that that answers it directly, but I think it's important as just a way to illustrate how, how this pattern can look mm -hmm. literally in, and that this is money found on the street, but it's equally 
related to money that is earned, money that is inherited. And I know we want to, you wanted to talk more about that as well. Uh, but it's just so important to think about ourselves, you know, put ourselves in the equation. I think so often we are invisible in the equation. We're yeah. always looking at everyone else. We're sensitive and attuned to everyone else's well-being, um, the suffering in the world. And I think so often because, especially that unskilled sensitive, we're picking up on that energy and there's a, it's like giving money away, especially to causes or to other people is a way of uh, alleviating our own suffering because that general suffering is our own suffering. Right. Um, and yet it's like, we need to take care of ourselves first too. That is, a, this is our first home. This is our first, um, place that we need to be caretaking and everything else can flow even more beautifully and more um, abundantly after that but we can't neglect ourselves and we unfortunately in our culture we need to do that ourselves uh, because nobody else is doing that for us we have to do it ourselves well, I think that's so beautifully spoken. I think there could be a long conversation about shame or pride or deflection in those moments that is often the root of us wanting to give away that which we don't have. Mm -hmm. um, like early in my profession, a lot of my girlfriends have always been 10, 20, 30 years older than me, always, you know, I'm an old soul. So I've always had older friends. And let's just say like when Maurice and I were the bills were high, you know, everything was high, you know, you're constantly buying new clothes for kids. And um, I was working, he was working, and I would always want to pick up the check. And again, because it's genuine, but I couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. and so more deep dives into like, it was a way to hide the shame, yeah. or a way to be in denial of the truth that we were struggling at time, you know, in certain times was, you know, depending on what the real estate market was doing at the time we had to move for his work, we'd have to, you know, do a big down payment. And then maybe sometimes the starter home was huge. Like even now I feel not to go down another rabbit hole, but I feel terrible for young people right now who can't even afford the first house that he and I barely scraped together to have. <laughs> So I, I know there is a deep dive into the why we have that behavior, but specifically like for what Megan said, for the sensitive, that little reframing of checking in your home first. Oh, is this $50? Could it possibly be for me? Could I enjoy this? Is it possible that this is a way for heaven even to help me in this moment? <laughs> So I love that, just a reframing of the generosity. Can we check with ourselves first? Is it, are we willing to be, receive the gift in this particular moment without it having to go somewhere else? Yes. I think the one most beautiful thing that I learned out of my skin cancer scare in 2010 was the humility that I can be weak you know, the humility that I need certain things in life, like every other human being, I'm not super, superhuman. I am not 
in fact, I got a lot of praise for being strong as a kid. I'm physically strong. And as a country kid, I take a lot of pride out of that. But I'm mentally strong and I'm emotionally strong and I'm incredibly spiritually strong. And the, scan the cancer taught me, I'm actually, because I have a really big heart, I have some major limitations. Because I'm a sensitive, I have major limitations. And instead of, like I had to flip the script on myself, was like, I am, but I'm also extremely tender. I'm extremely yeah. sensitive. And, and then my big heart makes me care a lot. Yes. So I, I, I'm so grateful for that lesson. And that's a, something that comes up a lot in my work for other people. It's like, you know, we are, no matter how powerful our soul, no matter how eternal we are, we are having a human experience. And to be okay with the limitations, in fact, to embrace our limitations is one of the most beautiful things we can do for ourselves and to each other. Yes, yes, beautifully said. And I would, I would just uh, add to that, like the, the limitations, like to, to not, like there's so much expansiveness energetically, uh, psychically, spiritually, emotionally, even, um, then there's the physical reality, the limitations of the physical reality, our bodies, what our bodies can handle. There is also a very real limitation in it. And I don't see it as a negative, but a limitation in terms of resource and financial, you know, like what we have financially and stewarding that resource just like we may steward the energy that we have during the day. I'm gonna rest, I'm not gonna overexert, I'm going to um, exercise, I'm going to do these things to take care of the resource in this form. I'm going to take care of it and um, be thoughtful about it, be conscious about it. And that's the same as that we exist in with money. So I see the, like the limitation on money is not as a negative thing, but as a call to like an invitation to be really mindful, really thoughtful. And um, I would say most of us, regardless of, um, you know, the numbers and zeros in our bank accounts, there is a, there is a need to be attentive to some degree with what our resources are that there is uh, there there are some guardrails there are some boundaries around that resource as well and to think about that and to honor that oh we, you teaching me that has just had such a profound change in our life and the way i experience well even the way i talk to money the way i interact with it in my mind and in my heart the the invitation you brought me into you know, around the limitations, it was an invitation for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I have no doubt that often the struggle with money is all invitation mm -hmm. because there it's trying to tell us this, there's a story in here mm -hmm. that maybe only it can tell us it, it, it can point us back to, you know, again, value and meaning. And, you know, I was raised by a depression era grandmother. And so, I mean, there was shame around like, do you need that ice cream cone? You know, it's like, it's 25 cents grandma. Right. 
So I had to fight back. Like it's 25 cents. I think we're okay. But then, but, but it got in like, yeah. you know, I can barely have an ice cream even today. <laughs> like, what a luxury. <laughs> you know, living love. Living <laughs> but I, yeah. I think it goes back to, the, you know, when it is an invitation and it's almost a creative endeavor, because again, if you're a stay at home mom with little kids, the pressure of like, get out there and make a lot of money that is completely against this chapter in your life. And so when we can, I love the way you taught me to see it more as an invitation, because again, if you're not out making money, quote unquote, in the traditional realm, but you're cleaning and you're loving and you're protecting and you're laughing and you're, you know, doing water, um, you know, little water balloons and all of that is so much effort. Mm-hmm. And the currency is love and the currency is memory, which you actually can't put a financial price on. That's, you know, that's a whole other conversation that maybe you and I will have sometimes. <laughs> but that will take me into that sort of third thing I wanted to talk about for sure with you is a lot of my clients come to the work, either the husband's made money and they, they are very sensitive and they very much need coaching and support from me. So there's a very much a need, but because it's the husband's money or it's an inherited situation where maybe their mom and, or their father have, um, they've gotten an inheritance there. There is a lot of shame around that because they didn't earn it. I wanted to just get your opinion and your insight on, okay, what if you've been part of a story, you're part of a family, you're part of a marriage, a partnership. And maybe you are, everybody wants you to be cared for, but you won't let yourself be cared for. Let's maybe just go in at that direction. What if you're your only enemy in terms of whether you deserve yes. getting help and love and support and people want to? Yes. Oh, it's such an important topic. Yeah. Because you know, in our very recent history, you know, and I'm just speaking to those of us who were raised as women in this culture, um, or as female, the, you know, it's, it's only recently that there has been the expectation to earn money. Um, And so all of that, all of the work that women have done has been unpaid work. Um, women, even, even women in professions like nursing and teaching, that was a strategic, like those roles are underpaid because they are filled primarily by women. That's the, you know, it's like, there's, there's been such exploitation on that labor force that we, um, again, it's invisible. It's devalued we've internalized that devaluation and we don't see uh how important it is for the running of our uh literally the running of our families but the running of our economy and so and to loop back to what i was sharing before about the giving ourselves permission to receive so it's like the when we are the beneficiaries of either an inheritance where we didn't you know, we didn't earn that money, that money just came to us, or our husbands or partners have earned, are the primary earner, and we are the beneficiaries of that. 
we need to start looking more broadly, like more comprehensively about the life that we are participating in and the role that we play in that in that life, whether that is in the tangible, you know, helping, um, you know, raising the children, making the food, buying the groceries, cleaning the home. It's on that level, that tangible level, but it's also the intangible. You know, I have, um, I've worked with some, in fact, I, I have a client right now and it's really beautiful because the, um, the husband actually acknowledges how he would never be where he is right now if he didn't have the support of his wife. And and when he says that, it's like the the emotional support of his wife, the, what she believes in him. Like he actually sees that his wife is absolutely a part of their the, the money that they make which I just love. I, I love that he sees it and he articulates it and he shares that with her. So not everyone is so lucky. You know? <laughs> and even if you are, it may still be hard to hear and actually believe that because we have such conditioning about it has to be earned directly, you know. So part of it is just starting to open up the aperture of our perception and see that labor that we are doing both tangibly and intangibly um, to create the life that we are helping to create there's of course a lot of privilege in that scenario of even not having to work um, so there's shame often around the privilege of being the beneficiary yeah and one piece um, that I, I just want to, I think, is important to speak to because inherited wealth, you know, there there can be so much shame around that. Even if it's, um, you know, inheriting wealth is something that everyone wants, everyone fantasizes about, and yet there's also a lot of stigma around it and a lot of shame especially right now there's a lot of shame and there isn't a lot of conversation around it there isn't a lot of honest uh, safe space to actually have that conversation so there are so many different layers to money that has been inherited and i think for people who are sensitive sometimes what is what can be picked up is um like picking up on the energetic uh, what what has been attached to that money energetically before it has been inherited. So either how that money was earned originally, there can be an energetic imprint that is also received with the inheritance. And that needs to be worked through and looked at and explored and released um, consciously, consciously released. There can also be direct expectations and family dynamics that really uh, adhere to money. Money is a very uh, permeable energy, energetic force. And so if there's a lot of um, conflict in the family or expectation or any number of stories that get sort of sucked in <laughs> to the to that energetic gift and passed on, I've worked with lots of clients who are the who have inherited a lot of wealth. And um, a lot of our work is on disentangling those stories 
and actually giving themselves permission to receive the money as theirs and to really see it as theirs and not as someone else's. So, uh, and and then learning to steward it and learning to um, not not just learning to receive that money as their own, learning to steward that money and really guide that money intentionally along with, you know, in, in alignment with their values. But where things can get tricky, and I just want to loop this back into the conversation, thinking about your clients, um, the people listening, who may have, maybe they don't have a need to earn for their gifts, and how important it is to, to still be receiving money in exchange for the work. Um, it can be such a beautiful healing experience, even if there isn't an f- actual need to earn the money, mm-hmm. that there is some form of exchange. And whether you choose to give that away or give some of it away afterwards, that's, that's up to you. But the actual earning of money can be very healing and very important at a soul level. Oh, I completely concur with you on that, if that's the right word. <laughs> There's so many talented intuitives out there that absolutely do get asked to work. And then because they don't need the money, they'll do it for free. And inevitably they resent it on some level. And I, I, I also think that well, you're living in this timeline as well. And so whether you're aware of it or not, maybe even subconsciously, you're still getting the message that value, you know, the work you do in the world has value. And so it is a way to, to be part of this timeline where you're receiving money and you're in exchange, you're giving quality work mm-hmm. that in some situations can't come through anybody but you, the way that they're asking you to do it. And yes, yes. I was just going to I was just going to add that um, one of the most important reasons to put a value on it, to not give it away for free is to honor the gift. Inherently honor the gift that you have, but also to honor it um, for other others who do that work. Mm-hmm. to really say this is valuable this is important this is not just um I'm trying to think of an analogy nothing's coming to me but it's like by valuing it even if you personally don't need it need the money uh values it in a collective sense it raises it up in our consciousness as something that is valuable. And that's important. Yeah, that's really profound. Yes, absolutely. I wanna put a a fine point on what I think I heard you say. So if there is an inheritance situation, um, something so beautiful that you can do for yourself is is to get help or go through the process of healing or confronting at what that means energetically Mm -hmm. confronting the family story or the history or in some maybe less good situations where there there there's lots of trauma or abuse and then they inherited 
to heal his story and what that means for them. So there's no doubt that when you there's an inherited situation, there is a story attached to it, whether it be good or bad. It doesn't matter. There's a story. Yeah. I even had a client who, when she would pay, um, pay for mentorship, like every bit that she spent was another loss of her mom and dad. Mm. And so I did have to go in and get guidance for her around that because like, if, even when there's, you know, it could represent just more loss or, you know, kind of keeping the money in the bank is a way to keep their, her parents alive. Um, so there, there, maybe just an invitation to that. There's a story there. And the only thing that matters is that you can continue to live in peace and harmony with the energy of that money. So you just have to make decisions that are good for you, whatever that situation may be. Yes, exactly. Maybe even if I had, let's just quickly, I know I could keep you on forever, but I, I, we are going to wrap up. Let's just say for the sensitive who is a mother who is a a young father maybe or in the spouse is bringing home the majority of the paycheck and there is some resentment Mm -hmm. and there is some guilt and shame but you have maybe you are fully let's just say a stay-at-home mom and you've got the kids but you're sensitive and you need help you need mentorship Mm -hmm. because though you're not maybe going to do this professionally, you still don't know how to give the shirt off your back away. You still don't know how to go to parties and not completely come out of there feeling depleted and maybe dirty, depending on the story that was dropped on you, (laughs) you know, and you think you're the problem because you're too sensitive and okay. So you need mentorship Mm -hmm. and maybe your husband does, even in my story, he wasn't super excited that I was going to get mentorship. He really didn't understand even what I was asking. So even in my situation, it's like, we didn't have the money and I needed help. And so maybe, again, what would you say where there is a need and there is conflict, but nonetheless, there's a need? Mm-hmm. What would you say to that young mother or? Mm. Well, I just think that, you know, this would be a powerful way, especially for um, this particular kind of a person that you're describing, someone who's really sensitive, um, a mother who is giving all day and has deep gifts that that needs some guidance and skill building and that mentorship, that that giving that gift, like at such a fundamental level, giving that gift to herself, is only going to be like one of the most important investments for the family itself because it's going to just uh, keep the energy clear and strong within that family and it's going to just expand from there so it's like mothering the mother is um is so critical especially with the void of support that we've been speaking to at different times. And this particular place of that, um, the, the sensitive or someone with psychic gifts who needs that support, this is a fundamental piece of their self-care. And this is where it's like, self-care is sometimes a bath, sometimes a massage, but more, 
more often than, than anything, it's these internal skills around energetic leaks and really pulling it back and being clear about our needs that's the self-care that's where we need to be developing the skills and so that you know yes there's conflict in i mean i'm just thinking about myself and when i was at that chat at that moment in that chapter of of my life having very little resource, very, you know, everything was very stretched then because I, at the time, chose to stay home and I wasn't working at the, at yet. Um, and even, you know, buying a new pair of pants for myself for $25 was out of the question. And I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even give myself permission. I couldn't ask for it. I, could, I just made do, you know, I, I existed in deprivation. And I wasn't even aware of my need on an energetic level to um, be more skilled. And so even if there's the awareness there, like get support because that's um, such a fundamental need. Yeah. I love that you said that. Opening the door that the culture reduces self-care to bubble baths, wine, maybe an evening out with your girlfriends, which is wonderful, but that can also be depletive when you're a sensitive. And so bringing it back to actually a need, a fundamental need for a sensitive could be needing to be witnessed, Mm -hmm. needing to be looked in the eye. I remember when I had my second child, the first child, forget it, we, I had her in Montana and three months later, my husband's company moved us to New England. I was alone with a baby and a husband that didn't talk very much. (laughs) No amount of bubble bathing. (laughs) He was going to get more loneliness, you know. (laughs) But I remember after I had my son, it's like I needed, I hadn't been looked in the eye forever. And so this like, when you are a sensitive, you know, like what does a bubble, bubble bath look for a medium? Now you're alone in the dark with lots of spirits looking at you. Like that's not, you know what I mean, that's not. <laughs> These are the, and again, like that's what I'm saying. When, when you are a sensitive, you might be channeling your family's emotions from that bubble bath. You might be, the dead might really be looking at you and they're like, oh, you're alone. Let me get your attention more. So when there are certain pieces of us that are so fundamental your self-care has to look different than everybody else's. It just does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And honoring that, like double down, honoring those, um, that, that need and, and seeking support, like actually getting skilled support like you offer to make sure that you are not, um, operating in that deficit overgiving state. Because it's so easy. Oh, not like for you, like the, the, the veil is so thin that there is, you know, working really hard to establish that boundary takes a lot of energy. So yeah, it looks completely different and honoring. Yeah. Honoring that it just looks so different. It just looks so different and, and to not, um, diminish what it is you need. 
even if a partner, let's just say, doesn't understand, it still doesn't take away your reality. No. They don't understand or they don't validate you as a medium or clairsentient where you can't even go to a party because you just feel so vaporized, you know, <laughs> completely getting taken from just from something that everyone's like, you're having a great time at a party. Maybe you don't. And so it's your job to, to know this is maybe how consider how I'm wired or these are the things that I need, or this is a boundary today. That's not tomorrow. You know, sometimes we're stronger than we are and we have to witness each place we are in each chapter because each chapter is going to be different. It's not the same chapter over and over every day. Yes. 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 So one of the things I really want to point everybody to is your beautiful Instagram where you are so conscious of talking about cultural relationships with money, with equality, with, I mean, you have just such a bird eye view and vision for how money interacts with us, even as a culture. So can you give everyone your um, Instagram handle so they can also get to see your beautiful conversations that you bring up almost daily i'm really envious of how often I, and i'm so thankful for how active you are on instagram what's your handle honey oh thank you and it's so funny because i feel like i i don't show up there as much as i would like to so oh, i'm impressed i'm impressed by you <laughs> um, so my handle is at tended wealth on instagram and that's really the only place i show up i'm i apparently have a Facebook page, but <laughs> I never, ever go on Facebook. So just if you see me there and you don't hear from me, that's, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my website is tendedwealth.com. And, um, and that's where you can sign up for my mailing list and hear more in-depth thoughts periodically from me. Um, your beautiful blogs, your beautiful news, uh, newsletters. Well, do you have a blog? I do. I you do. I do. I do. Yeah, you do. I, <laughs> you, you can get on her mailing list and receive these beautiful, thoughtful, deep newsletters that Megan sends out. And also because I have everything, I have everything you've ever created. Mm. What are ways that people can work with you? And I, and I, I certainly want to direct everyone towards your courses. But also, can you talk just a moment about your um, coaching? Yes, absolutely. So um, I have a couple of different ways that people can work with me. I have uh, a self-paced online course called Thrive, which is really about personal finance and healing your relationship with money. And it takes you through all of the emotion, all the practical pieces, but also is really, really focused on um, the emotional piece and and my hope is that it's even a pleasant and pleasing environment especially for those of us who are sensitive to even be in and it be in the conversation around money mm -hmm. and then i have an ex my expand course which is for um those who are self-employed particularly service-based business owners and it's uh it's a there's a recorded portion of that and then a live portion with other small business owners and that is just near and dear to my heart I love being able to support people in that space and then my one-on-one -on -one coaching um, that is a six-month process that I take clients through and I work with people who are self-employed in a one-on-one -on, -one, uh, on a 
one-on-one -on -one basis. And we're really looking at a lot of these themes around your relationship to money, um, but how it intersects with your business and you valuing your service, doing a deep inquiry around your rates and what you need to uh, generate to support and sustain yourself, but also your business so that it's really operating in a in a generative thriving way and you are really clear about what it is you're offering what it is um, you need in your life. So some of these themes that we've been talking about, you know, your capacity, your time, what you need to support yourself uh, so that you really show up well in your work. Um, those are all of the themes that we address in the intimacy of a one-on-one -on -one, um, container. Okay. I'm just like holding back my excitement. <laughs> I've had, I've got, and also do you do, do you still do funded? I do. I don't have it listed right now. It's just kind of like quietly on the side, but um, I should probably publish that. <laughs> I personally love it. I, I just, we, we were thinking about some trips to take this summer and I went back to your funded course and I ran the numbers and I'm like, it is too expensive to do this thing. So we just compromised on a few other things to do. And I couldn't have done that had you not provided that funded course with just even taking a trip. I love hearing that, Kate. Mm -hmm. and I will make it visible that that's a good a good incentive. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. Oh, well, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll just share the reason. So I, um, I had created that course and I put it out. I, I launched it in early 2020. Mm -hmm. so January of 2020, I launched that. And I had a whole, you know, I had a whole plan around it, especially around the vacation piece, because the vacation piece is like my favorite part of that course. And, uh, uh, and then the pandemic happened and I was like, oh. nobody wants to hear about this. <laughs> so I, I actually pulled it and I just, I just haven't made it visible since. And now it's like, well, we're no longer in that stage of the pandemic. So, well, that, and then I, I think when I got to be part of it, it was like around Christmas time. Yes. Christmas time for anybody, but for me, especially, and, and even during the pandemic, like I went a little crazy at Christmas time, making up so much of the other deprivation yes. that, that your funded course did actually help me sort of put some containers around my, if I just buy this, everybody will feel better. Or yes. you know, that's what I loved about that little program is to be thoughtful around, especially when, when you're uncomfortable or you're in pain or you're scared that overgiving. Yes. Or the like, we've been in a pandemic, we're going to go anywhere the hell we want, you know, exactly. that was kind of my attitude. And then I got out your funded course. And I'm like, I don't want to spend $6,000 on hotels and gas. I just don't want to do that. Not because we can't or I just didn't want to. Yeah. And that felt like sad. I couldn't have done it without that course. Oh. But I do have to say you're one on one coaching again, you're so flexible. And in terms of, of the, I think we were going every other week, but there was a time I'm like, can we do a weekly coaching, Megan? I just, I have some things I want to get through and you look me in the eye and they're like, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And the amount of money I, you saved me long-term by investing in you, in your programs, in your one-on-ones, it's, it's really priceless. The amount you've saved me is untold because you help me 
consciously show up with the money I do spend every single day and how I want my money to look and work for me, not me working for my money, which was completely my habit at the time. And I have to also say, I can get insights. I can get insights from heaven. I can get insights from guides. There is nothing like looking you in the eye, you looking at me and having a human conversation. You know, we make good money. I can get insights all day long, but you offer, you channel through stuff that is just incredible. I just have to say, I always want other people to understand you two might be good with money or you might have tools with money, but there's just nothing like the way you do work, the way you do this work, Megan. Um, I, for me, it's because of the way you're, because of who you are as a soul and also this massive heart that you have. <laughs> so between your wisdom of your soul, your big, generous heart, and your ability to have deeper conversations that not everyone can handle certain conversations. I know in my work, one of the real gifts I offer is my depth. Mm -hmm. And, and also because of the life I've lived in just this life alone, I can go to places other sensitives can't go. Mm -hmm. So when people acknowledge that in me, I'm like, yes, I understand what you're saying. And I'm here for that. I'm here for you for whatever your story is. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege of just finishing your um, expand program, which was just incredible. And of course you people attracted to you are other intuitive and sensitive and wonderful, wonderful people. So that was an incredible experience, a long experience. I couldn't believe how generous you were with the timeline on that too, Megan. So the amount of support and for how long was just incredible. And I just want to say with your Thrive course, which of course I have, <laughs> and, and, you know, you can do the course and you provide so many um, tangible um, tools as well to, again, you ground the energy of money and the emotion of money into tangible tools and steps that you can take to change, to make these changes. Um, but also it's like, you can do the course and then because it's a course, I can keep playing the video, you know, with my morning coffee or with my morning tea. It's like, and sometimes I get triggered in other ways that I need to come back to a video and just hear you say it to me again. And so that's just the beauty of the, the work that you offer. So I'm encouraging anyone, anyone, you know, wherever you're at on your money story, it's just, there are tools and there are people and there are communities that are here for you and your story. And I'm so excited to have shared Megan with you. So it's going to be an uncomfortable farewell because it's always hard. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing your story and for sharing you as a soul and the gift that you do in this world. Megan, I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Kate. And what, what an honor to be on the podcast and to have supported you on your journey. You know, it's just been so beautiful to witness your, your evolution and, uh, yes, I mean, in, in so many ways, you know, I just treasure mm -hmm. um, the experience of working with you and the gift that you share. And um, it's just so much fun. I could, I'm sure we, we could easily talk all day and yeah. I'm happy to come back. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> okay. Well, until the next time. <laughs> okay.
Thank you, Megan. Thank you so much, Kate. Bye-bye. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, Which Claire Are You? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.